Feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman, woman. Sasha Sidek. And Jesus is non-binary, binary, binary. Jacob Gamble. Join, Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans, arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on TreeCR Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. We would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the Aboriginal owners of the land where we gather today and pay my respects to Elders past and present. We recognise their connections to country and role in caring for and maintaining country over thousands of years. We acknowledge that our show takes place on stolen land, that no treaty has been made, that sovereignty has never been ceded. Hi, this is Shahrazad, your brand spanking new non-binary host. I use she, they pronouns and will be joined today by Lane to talk about all things artistic practice and later on in the show, we'll hear from another addition to our team, big beautiful things are happening at 3CR. Hi Lane. Hey. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, no worries. <laughs> Before we begin, I'd like to mention that this week is NAIDOC week. For those of us who might not know who, what NAIDOC is, NAIDOC actually stands for the National Aboriginal and Islanders Day Observance Committee, and this year the theme is For Our Elders. I strongly encourage us all to really get involved this year, to step into an attitude of striving to improve in our allyship and decentering ourselves in that process. To listen and amplify Indigenous voices, one way you can do that is by listening to the Beyond the Bars, which is our annual special broadcast giving voice to Aboriginal inmates from inside six Victorian prisons. The broadcast will go to air from 11am each weekday from the 3rd to the 7th of July. That's every weekday from the 3rd to the 7th of this month at 11am. You can find out more information about NADOC Week at www.nadoc.org.au. Um, and I think this is a really great way to kind of seg into our <laughs> little um, conversation because I've been thinking a lot lately about how to, um, I guess, get involved and also support Indigenous artists um, in the way of like buying their art, turning up to their shows, consuming their art, shining out their art, things like that, and how I consume, examining how I consume Indigenous art and how art actually doesn't always have to be about indigeneity. You don't have to like go and purchase a massive dot painting. You can go to a show to a guy who like does rap or somebody who's playing classical music. It can be absolutely anything. Like I'm a really big advocate for decentering yourself from the art if you don't want to like do identity stuff. And I feel like you do that quite well, Lane. Oh, thanks. Um, I, I, I'm uh, not Indigenous myself. I, I don't actually know uh, a lot about my own heritage. Um, with the family that I was raised in and the biological family that I'm disconnected with. Mm. Um, but when I think about my identity and my art and what I choose to include in my titles and what I think that is separate, it's, it's too hard to paint myself in one box and uh, define myself by one word. Yeah, definitely. And like, um, just for context for our listeners, we, we had you win a slam last last month didn't we yeah yeah poetry slam uh, i performed uh with 11 other writers at uh, slam alama ding dong at the grand slam uh last week yep. and that was a whole lot of fun 
yeah, I was there in the audience and I was like rooting on for like all of you. But yeah, I was really glad to see like um, all of the beautiful different voices that were brought to the slam. And I guess like my question would be, how exactly did you come into slam? Like what, what made you attracted to this particular art form? What exactly do you feel like you aim to achieve with your art? Like what is the aim? You know what I mean? Um, slam, slam alarm a ding dong was something that I knew about as a teenager and something that I was interested in, but I was never old enough to even enter the venue as uh, an audience member, let alone a writer. And uh, it was, that's a pretty big gap in between then and 23, um, in my point of reference of what time is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I started, I've, I've been writing for as long as I've held a pen, the same as anyone else, but I didn't uh, bring that to light until a couple of years ago through uh, other poetry readings um, and what what brings me to poetry in general is a it's a creative outlet that I don't have to sell. It's a creative outlet that is for me, and I get to choose what I share with other people. I mm. get to choose which of my writing I keep to myself and which I perform. Um, adding competition into that is, a, is an interesting thing because that's that, that's a measure similar to monetizing it, but it's all it's all good fun in the end. Yeah, I feel like especially with competition, like your art kind of has two lives, the life that it lives with you and like, it's like little cocoon. It's kind of like when you're conceiving the art and it just like is like a child and you don't let it go outside at all. And then I guess your art has like a second life when you allow it out onto the stage and it like kind of spills all over the place and all of a sudden it is no longer just yours. It actually belongs to everyone. And I think it's really interesting to think about like all of the ways that people take your art, you know, as an artist and then also how people project onto your art and I guess for me like when I was doing slam which I was doing for quite a while um, I found that I really really struggled with separating the two of like who I am who like I am as this like multifaceted human being with like lots of different identities and maybe no identities at some point and all of these things that I was exploring about myself and kind of writing about but then all this pressure to kind of do like a very specific kind of art for the stage and all of this pressure to kind of conform and, and give meaning to my art that sometimes wasn't really there. Like I could do a poem about a flower and people would be like, oh, what does she mean by the flower? Is she the flower? Is she, uh, I used to do she, they pronouns back then. Um, and like, they'd be like, is she the flower? Are they the flower? What are they talking about? Are they talking about like their Muslim heritage? Are they talking about being covered up as a flower? And I'm just like, no, it's literally about like a flower. Um, how, how do you feel like you navigate that, I guess, and, and what do you think of all of that? Or do you feel like you actually don't even grapple with that? That's just not something that you um, relate to. Oh, no, uh, 100%. Like, I think uh, when I'm thinking about what I want to read to an audience, I, there are two things in mind, which is whether I want to connect with the audience about something that they would re relate to or agree with or something that would start a conversation or whether... I want to beat them to the punchline of who I am so that they don't make any assumptions and I can tell them exactly who they am, who I am with, uh, with the microphone. Um, and that, that is a lot of pressure because then you have to try and balance writing and reading something that is just what the audience wants to hear and like trying to preserve mm. your authenticity and what's important to you. And that's, that's a difficult thing to navigate. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of to add to that, I guess, the idea that you can get pigeonholed into an identity, I feel like, especially with, you know, especially with mm. art and especially like in the slam space. I know you've probably been in the slam space for ages as well. And I always felt like in the slam space, there are certain things you can do to get the clicks, you know, yeah. and I can see you smiling and nodding. It's like <laughs> a whole vibe. You're like, yes. 
Um, I feel like, you know, if I get up tomorrow and I do a poem about being oppressed for any number of reasons, I feel like if it's like mildly well-crafted, I will do well, but I could do like a banging poem about something completely like third party indifferent to all of that. And it would be like kind of a risk in, in my, mm. in, in my like view, at least I feel like people are always re- really ready to be like, yes, there's a problem here. Like queer people are oppressed. Let's talk about the oppression and all the darkness. But like when you want to get up and like celebrate facets of your life that are just not related to that or even just celebrate yourself like oh I got a new job today or something and you write a poem about that people are so much less willing to kind of vibe with that yeah a hundred percent and I I took that into account at the at the grand slam which um the the structure of which is is three rounds and the higher you score the more likely you are to get into the next round and I thought about what what I wanted to read so I started with a poem talking about my identity talking about uh, my my pronouns and who I am as a queer person because let's be honest we do know how how the game is played I know that there are a lot of people who are going to connect with that and who are going to feel that and a lot of people who are going to agree with what I'm saying and that's going to get me into the second round but I had to think about whether do I want to get into the second round or do I because I want to win or do I want to get into the second round because I have something to say and I want to make sure that it is heard I want to make sure that whatever pieces I come after this people are listening because they saw me vulnerable and they saw a version of me that I wouldn't always share with other people yeah definitely and I think there's also something to be said for like um again kind of just speaking to that whole thing of like do I want to get into the second round or do I want to like go all the way or why do I want to get into the second round in the intention and kind of like the way that your art is being received and in that like interaction with your live audience I feel like there's also like the question of well do I do I do the poems and get the win and then start to say what I actually (laughs) want to say like do I let them play do I play into identity politics get to where I want to be and then start saying what I want to say like full knowing that I will need to untie all of the knots Mm. and things that I kind of put in the way or do I just be who I am and like just trust that they will see me and understand me and we will just get all the way through and um, I feel like maybe that's just like a universal struggle of not just art like just life I guess like when you walk into a room you're like do I want people to see me for who I am or do I want to put on like this mask or that mask like do I want to be Uh, like an archetype do I want to be the queer person do I want to be the Arab person do I want to be the Muslim person do I want to be like whatever it is or do I want to just come in and be like I'm not going to let you know anything about me I'm just going to be who I am and then you can kind of figure out where I sit (laughs) yeah um there are so many different versions of ourselves that we present and there's it what we choose to keep to ourselves doesn't mean that that's uh, an inauthentic version of ourselves or what we choose to um, to speak about and to share for the sake of relating to other people, thats that doesn't mean that that's not true to us. Yeah. No, no, I hear that. I do. I really, I feel like, um, I feel like sometimes it's kind of like, um, what do I want to share? But also, how do I want to share it? Um, and in, in which kind of like, I guess, which space is which face am I showing people? And when it comes back to art, it's like, well, especially like because I believe you're a multimodal artist, it's like how do I put that out into the world and like how will it be received? Because like with a live audience, there's like this constant interaction. You kind mm. of know how it landed. But after that, like page poetry or even like I am I know that you do visual arts, it's like, well, how is this going to be received and how are people going to project layers onto that? Like do you have any ways that you deal with that or do you just like not deal with it at all? Do you just let it be what it is and kind of let go of it and be like that? art is no longer mine, it is out in the world and it belongs to the world now. That is such a complex question. I don't think I have a really straightforward answer to it because 
uh, what I share and the reasons behind what I share is it's so contextual. Like the art that I make to stick on my fridge at home, or the art that I make to put on a wall in a gallery. The poems that I read at local poetry readings, the poems that stay in my journals, or the poems that go into competition. It's it's the reasons for sharing and like whether I want to connect with someone else or whether I just want to put something out there and get it off my shoulders. Um, and I think that there's. <laughs> There is so much power in like what you choose to withhold as well. Like the the importance of, of being seen. It is nice to be seen. It really is. But it is nice to hide as well. Um, if you're comfortable in, in seeing yourself, it's really nice to just keep some things as, as sacred and, and not share them. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's time for a song. So we will be back in a couple of minutes with a little bit more about artistic practice and the idea of being seen in a negative space in a hot minute. See ya. وقف كل القاعدين ورقص ارقص واختار ترقص مع مين دلع 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 كل الحلوين دلع كل الحلوين شكلها سهرة صباحي والكل هيفضل صاحي وما نسهرش الا مع الناس الناس الغالية ونعيش اجمل سهرايا بالصحبة الحلوة كفاية
Welcome back to Queering the Air. That was Sahsah by Nancy Ajram and Marshmallow, and you are here with Shahrazad and Lane. Uh, this is actually my first show, so if you haven't heard me before, that's why. Um, yay me. <laughs> we also have like some really big news here, just kind of an aside. Uh, we have another co-host joining us fairly soon, um, and we will hear from him now. Gustavo is just like brilliant. I'll let him explain himself to you. Hola, hola. Hope everyone is going well. My name is Gustavo Hernandez and I'm going to be one of the co-hosts here at Queer in the Air. Um, yeah, I just w wanted to introduce myself, but before that, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and the original elders of other communities who might be here today. I would also to pay my respects to our transgender um, community transgender woman and um, yep that's it so let's start as i said before my name is gustavo hernandez i'm an international student from colombia i've been here for the past five years i came to australia to to learn english i speak spanish back home and uh, yeah i am studying photography um, i work in finance i'm passionate about um, lgbtq plus communities I love promoting events, helping people, being a volunteer in different um, events and in different organizations that are trying to, to create a community. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm 27 years old. I'm a gay man. Um, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I'm a cisgender man who embraced and enjoyed femininity. And yeah, that's a little bit about myself. Um, this is the first time as a co-host and I'm very excited to to be here next to Sasha. I think they are awesome and this uh, program is going to be so much fun to listen. So yeah, welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to Queer in the Air. We are going to be happy to talk about queer um, issues, trans issues, gay issues, uh, diverse sexual diverse issues let's call it like that and it's going to be really fun we are going to talk about sex we're going to talk about um, politics culture pop music and everything in between so yeah uh let's get to know each other let's put a little bit of a spicy to our sunday's afternoon and uh, yeah <laughs> let's enjoy it let's enjoy it. let's play really good music let's let's talk to this beautiful co-host and let's grow our community so that's all for today. I'm willing to meet you all and then just to have a fun time. Um, that's it. Happy Sunday and uh, chat to you soon. Ciao, ciao. Thank you, Gustavo. And I hope you're having a great time in Byron Bay, not here with us in the studio today, which is fine. I'm, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the VCR. You're with me, Shahrazad, and with Lane. We're talking about all things art and artistic practice. And we left on kind of a note talking about uh, the importance of like hiding things, some things from your art, kind of keeping them to yourself. Uh, the importance of like negative space and silence. Is that right? Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, like, <laughs> we've been talking a little bit outside of like when the song was on and we've like kind of gone into a little bit of a different conversation, kind of a change of pace. Mm. Um, but I guess to kind of bring it back to where we were before, I guess like we're talking about the idea of uh, importance of like, I guess, boundaries, right? The boundaries that you have with yourself and your art and being like, okay, like this is um, this is something I'm okay sharing with the world. 
this is something I'm not okay sharing with the world. And I guess the fluidity of those boundaries, at least for me, I have a lot of fluidity in those boundaries, like something that I wasn't comfortable sharing, say like five years ago, I might be comfortable sharing now and something that I was comfortable sharing five years ago. And now I'm like, mm, no, that doesn't go on the stage anymore. That doesn't go on the page anymore. There is no way in the world that that is ever seen the light of day again. Like I will go and scour the internet to try and delete it. You know what I mean? Um, do you feel like you have like a similar kind of um, relationship with those boundaries or do you feel like they're quite uh, cut and dry for you? Um yeah, 100%. I, first of all, I loved your example about talking about what we were talking about during that break just then, because that was secret information. <laughs> that was private and that was sacred and that wasn't recorded. Um, but, but when it comes to, to what I what I choose to share, I, I feel like I'm almost a different person in every space that I put myself in. Like the, the, the person that I am when I'm online and, my, and I'm promoting my own work is, is, is one version of me that is, uh, well, it... <laughs> I don't want to reduce it to just to money, but that is a business and I need to be conscious of um, how I share myself as as an advertisement. And then the person that I am um, and the work that I share in a gallery where people don't know my name and they don't know my face, uh, they see my first and last name, but that's not, that's not tied to any social media, that's not tied to a performance, that's not tied to any kind of recording. Um, so I feel... Even even with my full name next to a painting or an illustration in the gallery, I almost feel anonymous, and I really I, I kind of like that. So that, that gives me a lot of confidence to share things that I might not share in conversation. Right, and and like just to give our listeners a bit of context, do you have a what? It's a tattooing business. Yeah, so right? I work yeah. I work as a as a tattoo artist in my day to day. Um, I, I I I just call myself an artist because I do so many different types of art, I don't really know which one is my job because sometimes I profit off them, sometimes I don't. Um, but I, I work as, as a tattoo artist and that's the main thing that I promote. Yeah, yeah. And I've, like, I've seen your social media, obviously, and I've seen like kind of the idea that, I guess, playing with the algorithm, we kind of had a conversation about this. Is it okay if I... Mm. Yeah, we had a conversation about this like recently about um, like monetization and the way that like you get not you but like the metaphorical you yeah, <laughs> yeah. the, the general metaphorical you. general you that's oh, my favorite um, pronoun <laughs> the best one um, I identify as you no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking that's too far if I think therefore you are <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> um, there's this whole thing about like monetization right and I feel like as an artist you're always like oh I don't want to seem too clout hungry but I also want to make money. Like mm. I need to be able to pay the rent. I need to be able to afford food. And like, it's a really interesting thing because I feel like artists who are in any kind of minority status, you know, like whether it's trans artists, queer artists, POC artists, like we have so much shame around earning money for our art and we have so much shame around promoting ourselves when it's like, I've seen so many, like not even as good, like, you know, like straight cis white artists who are like, look at this thing. I'm going to sell it for like $3,000 and I'm like make 15 reels about it. And I'm going to like put post on TikTok. Look at me doing this dance. And I feel like the like queer and um, I guess like the queer POC people, all sorts of like marginalized people, I guess in my life are just like, oh no, I don't want to seem like I'm too desperate. I don't want to seem like I'm taking up too much space. And I'm just like, bitch, take up all the space, like take up space with trying to monetize all of those things. Because at the end of the day, like, the world is just like so capitalistic. It's like built on capitalism. Like we got to pay rent, we got to eat food. And sometimes we've got to get ourselves nice things so that we can continue to create art. And I just like personally don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
at all. Like that is just a point and you can speak to it or you can refrain, but. No, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it depends on, on how you show pride, how you show pride in the things that you do and the things that you make or how you show pride in the things that you are, things that are inherent to you. Um, but I think that just sounds like the human condition to me, this, this idea that art can be measured and that money is a measure of it. Like I hear all the time, like I'll, I'll be talking to my clients or I'll, I'll be talking to any person. I'll be like, do you do anything creative? And like, oh, I like to draw, but I'm not an artist. Or I like to strum on the guitar, but I'm not a musician. I was like, well, what's the difference? Because you don't do it professionally or because you don't think you're good? What's the measure of good? Yeah, no, I hear that. And you know, something was, that's really interesting. This is such a like bizarre tangent, but did you know that, like, to do figure skating in the Olympics, you have to not be a professional figure skater? Because, yeah, I know. How weird is that? <laughs> okay. Like, and the idea of being a professional figure skater is that you get paid. So, like, if you get paid to do, like, figure skating, like, Disney on Ice or something like that, you're not allowed to compete in the Olympics. And the reason being that, like, it's seen as, like, selling out. Hmm. <clears throat> and I feel like that's kind of translatable a little bit to the art community, where it's, like, there's this shame about, like... I guess, monetizing your work in certain ways. Like if you worked with a corporate or you worked with a company or you sold your pieces or you decided to like, I don't know, do like, um, you know, an affiliate link or something like that. Is that what they're called? Like a little hashtag ad mm. on your Instagram. People are like, oh my God, this person sold out. Like the trope of the starving artist is something that people want to hold on to so much. And I cannot for the life of me figure it out. I'm like, why do you need to be starving? And then also, why does the worth of your art have to be based on the level of monetization? Like, why can't it just be like, this is what I do with my time. I get paid for it so I can eat. And it's about like, I don't want to say need because I don't want it to be like a survival mode thing, but it's about need as opposed to about merit, like divorcing the two from each mm. other in some kind of way. Yeah. Um... <laughs> What a wild idea. Your productivity and your profitability <laughs> isn't your worth. Oh, my God. Um, radical. Radical. <laughs> radical ideas. Radical ideas here on 3CR, um, which is Radical Radio, which is a kind of a full circle moment. Um, I think we might actually go to a song if that's okay. Um, so we'll be back talking about monetization of art and, and all things money and art in a couple of minutes. Sorry, I just... I played the man and you bought it. Well, talk over glass like I own it. Give me an inch, I'll postpone it. So take a deep breath, a big stretch, baby It'll feel like a movie A pep talk in a bathroom corner Do I doubt the gin stick to water? You meant another Got out my mother, think it's in my blood Yeah, a date like for my bootleg Cross bitch, any chips or nuts for the hostage So what the f*** did I miss? Why the f*** did we... I go with when we made out What a goddamn kiss to think about Bought a drink all over my words Ain't sure if you go still in this fire It go with when we made out Clearly I've got shit to figure out Baby, baby, please don't hate me Call me up again, I won't get in Baby, what's the deal? I still wait for the present 
on 3CR's Queering the Air with Shahrazad. That was Dodie's Got Weird, which is a beat. Uh, this week is NADOC week, which is amazing, wonderful. Um, it is from the 37th of July, 2023. And if you didn't already know, um, we have a live radio from Victorian prisons um, called Beyond the Bars that is happening 11 a.m. every weekday from the 3rd to the 7th of July, which is going to be amazing. You should probably tune in. Um, this year's theme is actually for our elders. The idea that um, Indigenous elders have always been knowledge holders, trailblazers, nurturers, advocates, teachers, survivors, leaders, hard workers and loved ones, um, the ones who pick up um, pick them, sorry, pick people up in their low moments and celebrate them in their high ones who cook for us to feed comfort and to pull um, Indigenous people into line when they need it too. Uh, all of this information is actually present on the NADOC website, which is www.nadoc.org.au. Um, and we are super, I guess, um, invested this year in making sure that we all participate and all engage in really meaningful allyship so if you'd like to please comment on our instagram page and let us know how you'll be engaging in allyship we'll try and share the answers and kind of give people ideas of how they can engage and create a little community around it uh we are here today with lane hello hey um we were talking before a little bit about monetization of art we went to a song to kind of give ourselves a little space to reset and re um recalibrate because i think that's like really important i feel like sometimes we get into like really heavy conversations and it's like okay cool like what what is the vibe here and and it's completely it's completely chill it's completely a vibe I guess like what I kind of want to shift into and like it's a cute little segue (laughs) into the idea of like I guess um we both kind of have a bit of an anxious uh vibe to us I feel oh no never (laughs) um and I guess I just wanted to ask like how how do you balance being on stage in front of like all of these people 
um, with with being quite like I guess quite anxious and, and how do you manage the anxiety? Well, as someone who can't afford exposure therapy, uh, getting up and doing public speaking is probably as close as I'm ever going to get. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty nervous person. I'm pretty sensitive. I feel lots of different feelings at their extremes. But I've been like that my whole life, and it's a pretty beautiful thing. So I'm very used to sitting in it, and I'm I, I've made peace with it. If anything, like the only people that are uncomfortable are the people around me. Um, but getting up on stage, it's I, I I get nervous about it. I get nervous about it before I get on there, and I'm nervous when I'm up there. But it's it's this beautiful thing where my mind just exits the chat and I don't remember anything that happens as soon as I'm in front of that microphone, very similar to right now. Um, and like some people might uh, feel that and call that dissociation, but to me, that's not... It, it's not it's not a harmful checking out it's it's a, it's a peak moment where where time disappears and i am just focused only on on feeling and passion and using my language yeah and i think i'm just like nodding profusely right through all of that but uh, i also think there's like something to be said for like sometimes people are i guess dissociation has like this negative connotation to it and people mm. are always like oh why'd you check out on stage that's like dissociative and and like you should be present but i guess like a lot of the time in order to deliver the art we want to deliver in the way that we want to deliver it, especially when it's live art where there's like this interaction with the audience, it's as much about us presenting what we want to present as as it is about the audience experience. And it sometimes feel like feels like creating presence and vulnerability in a certain way, in a way that we maybe aren't ready for or might be harmful in the long run. Um, can actually be harmful for our audiences as well as ourselves. Like personally, I mm. feel like I also exit the chat when I'm on stage. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea what happened. I hope I got all my words right. I hope my pauses were like where I needed them to be. Um, and I feel like initially I was like, oh, am I dissociating too hard? Like, is this bad? Do I need to be present? And then I tried this thing where I like tried to be actively present on the stage and it was like messy. It was, it was not what I wanted it to be. I was like bumbling all over myself. I was feeling horrible. I was absorbing all of the energy from everyone, like absorbing my words. There was too much of an interplay emotionally. And I was like, this is, this is not good for my mental health. I'm not doing Mm. this one again. Um, so like, I sometimes think of like that, that idea of like, as you put it, exiting the chat to be like quite protective in a lot of ways. I feel like as poets, we share, um, some really vulnerable things and I don't need to be like processing the thing that I'm sharing with you while I'm sharing it with you, if that makes any sense. That's, uh, that's really interesting. But I, well, it's kind of like, so they say that the body can't tell the difference between excitement and nervousness. So like what one person might call dissociation, I just call a flow state. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same way that like when I am up at four o'clock in the morning painting and I can't stop and I haven't seen the clock in so many hours because I am so there, like maybe I'm not consciously present, but subconsciously all of me is there and all of me is being put into that artwork, which is why I, I hate it when I see someone who is uh, who has gotten off stage and they they feel embarrassed or shamed or like oh I forgot something I forgot to you know read a word or I stumbled over a word it's like you brought you like whatever you I, I don't I don't want to be like you know what it, things happen for a reason but we're not here just to hear your words we're, we're we're here for you and whatever you bring to the stage whatever version of yourself we love all versions of you yeah and I think like obviously slam is a really good mm. space for that because I feel like um, I feel like it's really lovely how people often you know no matter what you bring to the stage as a performer or as a competitor you know like the audience kind of goes with you Mm. they they decide to invest pretty early on and they're just like rooting for you they're like there for you and I'm like I just think there is a very big 
um, element of it's a really great place generally like any kind of open mic or any kind of poetry thing generally is a really great place to just get up and say what you need to say and have I I don't want to say a captive audience but like a captive audience but also an audience who is there to listen Mm. I think there is a difference between like getting up on a soapbox in the middle of the street which is not a bad thing but there is a difference about the support that you get for that you could be yelling about whatever you know and people are just like going about their day they didn't choose to be there they didn't consent to be there but when you're at a slam or an open mic people consent to be there and more than that they're invested they want to know what your story is they're here for the story and I think that's like a really beautiful exchange that occurs yeah I I like that like I I don't want to get up there and talk about something that is emotional to me or something that is vulnerable and not bring that emotion with me like I want that emotion to be attached to my words otherwise I'm just going to be reading in a monotonous voice and no one's going to to feel what I'm feeling um and the, the people who, who come to these readings, yeah, they, they are invested and they consented to be there. And because I know that these are like-minded people, people who want to come to hear my words, I, I feel safe sharing that information about me with them that I wouldn't share in my everyday conversation or I wouldn't stand on a soapbox in the middle of the street proclaiming to people. Like it feels, I know th- I know those people can, can go away and tell people, but when you're, when you're doing a spoken word performance, that, that's an ephemeral piece of art. That is something that as soon as you've said it, it's, it's gone unless someone's got a camera out there's no there's no proof that you've ever said it don't abuse it obviously but like (laughs) um, it's really special I think I think even when you do have a camera and people do take it home like I share it Mm. share it with their friends like they're not there the audience like there's this very specific like interaction that occurs between like the energy that you're putting out the energy that's coming back from the audience and then the energy that you're putting out again and I feel like it's like this exchange right this beautiful exchange between like them holding the words and you putting them out that like even a camera can't capture even an audio file can't capture because that is energy in the room like right there with you and I feel like that whole thing about like you can't really emulate the moment ever again like every Mm. time you perform a poem it's going to be completely different every time every audience is different right like some audiences like love 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 this one poem that you do and then they just like meh about the rest like not not hold it or receive it but just be like oh yeah that's okay and then there are other audiences that like that poem that they were just like okay about those ones are just like I love that I'm gonna eat that up I'm gonna show all my friends and I think there's something to be said about the sharing of that the energy in that moment and I think that's what makes people come back yeah, it, like it, it actually it feels quite collaborative, honest, honestly. Um, someone read a piece that night that um, oh, I, ca- I cannot remember who it was or what exactly they said, but they said that the, the poet who comes before before you is not your competition, that is your prophecy. You mm. feed off of them and you, you learn from them and you're inspired by them and that is a really special thing because it doesn't feel like a competitive give-take. It feels like it, it feels like a collaboration. Yeah, and not just between you and the audience, but you and I guess the other people who get Mm. up on that stage because, I mean, I'm a big believer in energies and energy exchanges and I feel like they leave energy behind on the stage and then you walk into that energy and then you, like, take that and, like, do your performance Mm. and you leave energy on the stage and it's like a collaboration of your two energies and I guess, like, the last person comes into, like, everyone's energies and obviously if there's three rounds, you're, like, kind of exchanging that again and again and again and it's just, like, yeah, like, this big collaborative artwork. Like, at the end of Slammer, we all take, like, a group picture Mm. of everyone who got on the stage that night and it's almost, like, these are the people behind the art. Like, it's, you know, like, the little picture that they put at the bottom of, like, you know, sometimes in the newspaper they're, like, oh, this is the art and this is the artist and it feels Mm. a little bit like that. 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, I, I think that that's that's really cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I, it's impossible to make that competition feel like a competition because we we didn't we didn't just spawn out of the ground and get there. We we got there because we heard something and that inspired us, or we had a feeling and we liked the way that that someone else had the confidence to express it, and they gave that gave us confidence to express it. And we know that. There is the, it can't be measured. Like there is, there is no unit of measurement for for good or bad in poetry or in visual art or any kind of art form. Um, it's 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 subjective for a reason. Like it's it's so interesting that the way that um, an, an audience can change their reaction. I, I remember I read a um, a piece that talked about some really like uh, dense mental health stuff, and I. Uh, I talked about medications, and then I heard from the back of the room the loudest laughter. <laughs> And that was so interesting to me because, like, oh my god, how could you hear those words and think that that was funny? And uh, people people react in the most interesting ways. And I love that person who laughed. I thought that was fantastic. Like, thank you for for giving some energy back to me. Yeah, it's. I feel like I feel like that really speaks to the way that like you can decide to curate your art like perfectly, but you cannot ever, ever, ever know exactly how it will be received by an audience. Like they, they do what they want with it. It's theirs. Like I, I always say like there's three, like as in a, for me, there's always three lives to my art. There's like the infancy stage where it's like at home with me. And then there's like the stage where I kind of put it out to my close friends and it's kind of like a toddler going to school or whatever. And then like it's out in the world. It's an adult. Like it is no longer an extension of me. Like this artwork is now a collaboration between me and anyone who consumes it, anyone who sees it, anyone who like glimpses it, anyone who like, I don't know, goes to a gallery where it's hung, like because I do photography. Um, it's just, it's theirs now. It's, it, I conceived it, but it's like having a child who's a grown person. They're no longer an extension of me. The umbilical cord has been cut. We are no longer in, into, into, like, intertwined in that way. Like, we're related, but I don't own them anymore. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's a really interesting idea. I think the, the, the consumers of art can get confused with that, though, when they take their own interpretations of something that you have made, and they think that that's a reflection of you as the artist instead of them and what they've seen and what they've connected with. Yeah, and that's why I say, and that's why I say, like the umbilical cord has been cut. We're related, right? Yeah. Like I feel like you're speaking to a really specific, like really important point, mm. which is like I think people, I don't know, like remember when you're in English class and your teacher kind of was like, "This is the book, but this is the person who wrote it, and let's like interpret the book based on the person." And it's like, well, maybe, maybe yes, but maybe no. Maybe like this is just art that this person made, and can't we take it at face value? I feel like we're so obsessed with. I guess, like, decoding what this art means mm. in a lot of ways. And, like, in a, in, sometimes it is important. Like, when you write an artist statement, you're kind of, like, you know, pushing the audience into figuring out what you're trying to tell them. And that's why you have, like, a description of the work. But sometimes it's, like, the description of the work is just, like, oh, the wave's crashing against the sand. And someone's, like, oh, yeah, like, the waves are the turbulent nature of this person. And you're, like, like no <laughs> just waves <laughs> <laughs> i'm just waving like why are you like this um or even like <laughs> this is a funny example because like uh those of you who don't know i'm like a massive swifty and this this morning i was like sitting <laughs> at the like computer just being like the loading bar because this is a this is a pre-record so i was like loading bar and like it was just uh, stressful and it's just so funny how like sometimes the song is just a song like especially from those two albums the middle folklore and evermore and she's just like she wrote a song and everyone's just like who's this about what is it about who are they why why did they do that 
that? What does she mean by this? Is this an Easter egg? Why did she say it like that? Why did she sing it like that? She, she did a key change. There's a note change there. What's, what's going on there? And sometimes it's just like you forget to actually appreciate the art because you're trying to attach the meaning to it and you're making that the focal point. I don't think there's anything wrong with like deciding to like try and figure out what the meaning is because art is meaningful but when you like stop looking at the art and just like trying to like figure out that meaning I feel like you can really get lost in that yeah well I the, the meaning belongs to the viewer and <laughs> yeah you, you you can't you can't attach it back to back to the artist we could get us some dangerous territory of uh, separating art from artist right now um but it, it's it, there's art is just it's it's an it's a human it's a human need it's a it's a natural thing we you're either a maker or a consumer and there's there's no there's no way to measure it so i don't uh there's there's no point of putting a worth on on the the money or the reasons for making or the reason that that artist made it because the reason it exists is is for you to have a feeling or a lack of feeling yeah it's just there to convey like one thing right like, it's just, I feel like... What is that thing? Why is that? Yeah, exactly. That's what, what people what, are always what, like. What's your thing behind yeah. that thing that you've made? Exactly. What is that one thing? Exactly. It's like, oh, you use that color. What does that mean? And it's cool when you're like, okay, like, it, there's a difference between, like, you're there, like, you've got an artwork, and you're like, this is why I use this color here. And, yeah. And this is why I did this, and this is why I did that. But there's, like, a big difference between that and people being like, no, but I think you're lying to me. I think it's deeper than that. You know, I feel like that... I feel like that has something to it and we'll talk about that when we come back from some music um enjoy the track I'm a man of the 
سنين أنا عندي ماضي وعندها ومش مكسوف معاكي بنسى أنا مين بحس إن أنا جيمس دين عربية كابريو لموديل ستين وهديكي مرفوعة في الهوا شعرك بيطير معاكي بنسى أنا مين بحس إن أنا جيمس دين عربية كابريو كتبنا اسامينا وعملنا تاتو زي الافلام ربنا سوا ومش راجعين معاكي بنسى انا مين بحس ان انا جيمس دين عربيه كابريولي موديل ستين وهيديكي مرفوعه في الهوا شعرك بيطير معاكي بنسى انا بحس ان انا جيمس دين عربية كابريو لموديل ستين وايديكي مرفوعة في الهوا شعرك بيطير We are back at 3CR with Queering the Air um, That was James Dean by Kai Roki, who's like an awesome artist. I'm like obsessed with him. So maybe look him up on Spotify and, and have a listen if you liked that vibe. Um, we have some events to talk about just before we, we go back into chatting a little bit with Elaine. Um, the Victorian Pride Centre is an awesome space. We love the Victorian Pride Centre. And there are two events that we'd like to talk about. Um, they are having a sausage sizzle this Sunday um, for NADOC Week. It is from... Let me just figure that out. 2 to 4 p.m. So you can enjoy music by DJ Peter, drinks at the bar, and a famous sausage chisel raising money for Koori Pride, Victoria, and Gay Stuff Markets, all from 12 p.m. And then we've got the Idul Adha event from 2 to 6 p.m. on the 9th of July, 2023. For those of you who don't know, Idul Adha is like the um, Muslim celebration that happens after the pilgrimage. And it is also happening at the Victoria Pride Centre. So if you are a queer Muslim or queer Muslim adjacent, you should uh, go to Trans Sisters United Instagram and let them know that you'd like to attend. Um, hi, Lane. How's it going? I'm still here. I'm still good. <laughs> still here, still queer, and still ready to take over the mainland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That came from the like pits of my being. I don't. I don't stop. Um, so we were talking a little bit before about separating arts from artists, and like just kind of to end on a note. Um, how would you like to be known as an artist? I look. I spent too long in the closet to be to paint myself into any box. Now um, I just describe myself as multidisciplinary. I don't want any reputation to precede me. I want people to just look at my art and not think about who's behind it. Okay. Yep. Cool. So total, total, just like the art itself. Yeah. Like I like I I'm I'm an artist and I'm a poet and I switch between mediums all the time. I'm learning a lot of new ones at the moment. Um, I I what? think I'm too much in flux to to think of any 
specific way of describing myself. What new ones are we learning at the moment? What new ones am I learning at the moment? Um, I, uh, I've always been into oil painting, but I've been taking um, classes recently just to just to refresh on some old skills and build some new ones, and that's been really fun. Cool. And if people want to hear your art or see your art, where would they go? Do you have a gig coming up? Do you have like socials that we can follow? Do you have anything that we can do? Great question. So on the on the note of promotion, uh, I can promote uh, who I am as a tattoo artist. I work as a tattoo artist. Tattooing is one of my mediums um, and that's something that I do for work. And you can find out more about that, uh, see what I do or come join me in the studio uh, via my social media, which is at Luna Lane, L-U-N-A-R. L-A-N-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of my visual art, you'd have to go to a gallery and hope that I'm there. And in terms of hearing me speak uh, speak my poetry, there are a lot of um, local events uh, around the area where you can come and you might see me, you might not, but I'm not going to tell you where I am. Oh, it's like a scavenger hunt. Okay. Okay. I, I, I like it. I like it. It's very mysterious. It's sacred. It's, it is. It's Go listen of... to everyone, not just me. Yeah, okay. That's a vibe. Yeah. Creating space for other people and making sure that they like kind of are heard as well. I feel like um, is, is there any gigs that you would recommend for like beginners who like want to get into the art form and don't really know where they would start? And not like to preference any gigs or say like this is the best gig to kind of just say this is a really gentle, like low key chill vibe or, or something like that. Yeah, um, 100%. Like if it, if it comes to visual art, sit in your bedroom and make something. If it comes to uh, poetry, sit in your bedroom and write something. If it comes to spoken word, uh, there are so many different events in the area um, that I that I think are just, I haven't been to one that I didn't enjoy that didn't have, they all have so many different vibes. Um, but speaking of vibes, where I started off was with Vibe Union. They run an event every fortnightly Tuesday called Radio Talk at Radio Bar starting at 7pm. Um, I think that that is a fantastic place to start for the first time because you go there, you can go alone and you feel like you're in a group of friends. Yeah, and if you want to know a little bit more about, I guess, spoken word, you can always go to Melbourne Spoken Word, just type it into like your search bar in Google and there's like a directory that you can access to kind of see what gigs are on and what their vibes are, what they're bringing, who their feature artists are and just, I guess, find out where you want to go next. I feel like that pretty much concludes our chat today. Do you have any like last words? Last words? Is, is that a threat? Is like <laughs> is, is this the end of me as soon as we're done here? <laughs> yeah, that's what we do to all our guests. We're just like... You're done now. No, no. Any last words in this particular chat? <laughs> um, yeah. To, to, to thank, you, thank you guys for having me here uh, today. This has been a new experience and it's been really fun. This almost feels like a medium of itself. Yeah. I feel like radio is completely different. But yeah, I feel like it is interesting because you don't get the audience participation. You're just like speaking into a void a little bit. And I think sometimes that's really healthy just to kind of be like, okay, the void is being spoken into. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you coming in and sharing your insights um and thank you to our audience who turn up and listen to us and support us and and we love you i love you even though this is the first time you've heard me and um yeah that's it from me you've been on the air with querying the air on 3cr with shahrazad i will leave you with this absolute banger of a tune pink light by muna and on the other side of that next up we have salam radio So I let it happen